episode of Outside the Rack is brought to you by Kinetic Performance, the makers of the Gym Aware. In today's world of strength and conditioning, data collections become the utmost of importance, and that's exactly where Gym Aware separates itself from the competition. Because when we're sitting there and looking to collect data, what data are you actually collecting? And are the numbers you're looking at fitting into the exercises that you're utilizing? And even more so, are they going to answer the questions that you're looking for? Looking at different ways that you are moving the barbell through peak and mean, both velocity and power, is really what separates gym aware from the competition. Being able to understand what your ballistic exercises are doing separate to what your strength exercises are doing really allows you to program at a much more specific level for your athletes. So hop on over to kinetic.com.au to see what Evan and his team have in store for you today. The world of strength and conditioning is filled with some fantastic practitioners that are always searching for more. But more what? What are strength and conditioning coaches searching for to better their ability to prepare their athletes? Well, what about cutting edge information or a place where you can find different opinions from forward thinking coaches on what you're doing, how you're doing, and try to get feedback to be better for your athletes? Or what about a place where you'll find like-minded coaches that can provide solid coaching advice and career development for you as you progress through your career as a strength and conditioning professional? Well, this is exactly why we built the Strength Coach Network. You'll have access to exclusive monthly content on top of the sensationally active forum that we have where you can communicate with coaches all over the world to find those answers that you're looking for to help you be a better practitioner for your athletes. So make sure you hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash cvasps, that's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash cvasps, and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the 26th episode of Outside the Rack, brought to you by Kinetic Performance, the makers of Gym Aware. In this show, we're just trying to dive a little deeper into some of the minds of the top practitioners of the world of sport performance to learn a little bit more about who they actually are and how they got to where they are today. Today, we are joined by the Senior Associate Athletics Director for Performance and Student Athlete Welfare at the California University Northridge, Bob Alejo. Bob? Try to fit, try to fit that on a business card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I couldn't come up with anything shorter, but in the end, that's what I do. What's happening, man? It's good to see you, Jay. Good to be back with you. And, I love doing this with you because whenever we get together, no matter where it is, phone or otherwise, it's like we're in the backyard just hanging out, you know. It's almost like we've been to a 200-person roundtable or barbecue once or twice. You know what? That reminds me of a place. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. Now, you know, it's always great to chop it up, always great to see you, and stoked to have you on the show today. But before we get rolling too fast here, who is Bob Alejo? Who is Bob Alejo? All right, well... I think I think you have to use the basic, you know, uh, husband, father, brother, uncle, so on, and so grandfather now, uh, so on and so forth. Um, but professionally, you know, I'm a I'm a a veteran strength and conditioning practitioner, but more than anything, you know, involved with giving the best program delivery to athletes so that they can do the best that they can do under whatever circumstances, you know, we have, that is weight room, resources, anything that we can do, just, you know, try to get them to have, um, you know, an enjoyable 
experience while they compete. I dig that, man, because I think a lot of people now talk about that aspect in a very, very like serious tone and is that whole idea of student athlete experience. Yeah. You know, it's uh now listen, I don't know if I'd have that same response 15, 20 years ago, which, you know, soon I'll be entering my 40th year. Um, but you know, it always has been part of that. It, it almost reminds me of like, I think I put something out of Twitter the other day. Hell, you probably were on it too. Where I, I say, when did we stop smiling when we take pictures? <laughs> you know, like everybody's got the, like, well, what's that all about? You know, like I, this is a blast for me walking around coach. I know it is for you and probably is for those folks. It just, there's gotta be some fun involved, man. So that, you know, you can magnetically attract and create, you know, and, uh, you know, it's not always about hollering and yelling and it's not always about being soft either, but, uh, you're right about that. I, I would absolutely agree with you in that area. I love it, dude. And that, you know, as someone, though, Bob, who's been and seen pretty much all of it, seen it renamed, you know, the T-shirt <laughs> rebranded and all that, you know, we've talked a little bit about some of these, and I'm excited to hear which ones you, you want to share with us today, especially question one, and that would be describing a learning situation that brought about an epiphany in your career. Oh, that's easy. That's real easy. Um, well, there's actually two. Um, and the other one happened in 2005. But, um, well, it was, it was seeing Al Vermeil coach and watching what he was doing in 1980, probably two, three, somewhere in there in the middle. Um, when I watched him coach a kid that we were working with up in, in Northern California who had not played football since his high school year, went to the University of Oregon, was a shot putter, Jeff Stover who ran about a 4.7 at 260, 270, um, was a 65-foot-plus guy. And uh, they signed him on the spot right after he ran, continued the workout, and ended up winning a couple Super, Super Bowl rings. And in the meantime, uh, Rockland, their training facility, wasn't too far away from where we were. So we drove up there and uh, uh, watched what he did uh, for a couple of days. In the end, when we drove back, it's about an hour drive, I, I remember just being overtaken by how much energy and camaraderie and closeness and respect that the team had for him at the time. And I remember looking at the guy next to me in the back seat of the car I was in and said, if I can look and feel and act like that and do my job, I want to do that. And from then on, you know, for sure, I... Uh, this made it my goal and still do, you know, I mean, he's still today. I call Al and he'll pick up the phone and whenever I do, and we'll talk about whatever. And we don't speak enough, but when we do speak, you know, he's there like he has been always for me as a mentor. The second part was in 2005 when we were in, we had, I had the track team at UC Santa Barbara and at UC Santa Barbara at that point, I'd already been to the Oakland A's and at UCLA and went through the money ball thing and all that. And, you know, been associated with some successful things. So here I am at Santa Barbara, I'm in major school, and uh, we were testing track when they came back from winter break. So I thought I'd do a little assessment and say, let's let's pick 70% on this squat, because um, you were supposed to go home for the last four or five weeks and stay around there and work out. Give me give me your best. Let's go 70% for failure. So I'm thinking eight to ten, you know, maybe. So we're watching them, 
and we'd split the room. There was a kid that did a set of squats that I didn't watch, but my assistant did. And so when we stopped, said, okay, let's, let's figure out what we did. So I went over and asked her about how many did you do, eight, ten, I did three. And I'm like, okay, well, you didn't do much, right? What did you do? And I asked this one kid, what did you do? And he says to me, I did 21. And I, and I, I looked up and I said, 21? And he looks at me and says, uh, 13? <laughs> and I went, what? <laughs> wait a minute, <laughs> 21. Well, so what I found out there was he was just like, uh, he didn't know what to tell me. He's like, I don't know if I did it right or wrong or whatever. And I, and I just started laughing. I mean, I just started laughing, which probably 10 or 15 years, like, you know, damn it. Didn't you follow the rules? I told you what to do. Here's what I wanted. It just struck me like, okay, not everybody knows and feels the way we do about training. Right. I mean, here's a kid that's coming to Santa Barbara. Like I told them, Hey, you're either going to represent me in court or operate on my heart. So I'm going to be really good to all you guys. Right. And, uh, and this kid was just kind of flummoxed by the idea, like, okay, okay. I said, just calm down. Just how many did you do? He said, you know, I can't remember. I kind of, you know, my assistant had said something in between that. But um, so that was something that was an epiphany, probably something I kind of knew about, but it just one of those things that struck me in, it, in that whole idea here, like, hey, see things for what they are. Like, you're, you're not going to win or lose a championship on that set, on that day, with that exercise, right? It, Okay, we can take our time and, and do what we need to do here. Yeah, and I think that that last statement really needs to resonate more with people. And we've talked about that a lot is that, you know, there's and it's not to say that, you know, it's not important. It's not to say that, like, the sets and reps and what you're doing are not important. But that one set of rep or that one extra whatever it might be. The only thing you can do is ruin the season, not make it. Yeah, and I and I, and I tell even the athletes or the coaches like, oh, you know, we're gonna miss a day, or I, you know, forgot to do whatever. And you know, sometimes guys get upset about it. Strength coaches too, right? And I said, look, man, if we lose the national championship year, you can blame you can blame me because we missed this day of lifting. Come on, honestly, <laughs> like <laughs> you're right. Not that it's not important, but it has to be contextual, which. Uh, you and I have talked about many times and several of us all together. Context has been lost in several areas in our profession right now. And it's, uh, it's ridiculous. It's embarrassing and it's absurd. Yeah, like totally because it just muddies so many waters and creates so much fake confusion that leads to these, like, I don't know, these like kind of like slap fights about nothing. <laughs> Slap fights. I love it. Only Jada Mayo can come up with that one. I mean, it's, you know, it is though, right? Like it's like yeah. oh, it is. Oh well, blah 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 with this exercise. It's like, dude, who cares? Right. Yeah, I would agree with you, man. Well, listen, Bob. You know, you're above and beyond that. Like one thing. My favorite thing is that you know that. Speaking of context. So when people in, in nowadays, they, they like to talk about problems and not find solutions. But the one thing that you did is you talked about your solution and then you went and did it. And in order to do that, to get to those things, you've got to ask hard questions. You've got to be willing to sit down and, and ask the hard questions of people to make sure that you're building right. So if Bob could ask one question 
and he knows that he's going to get the answer to that, what would that be and why? Well, I mean, so if you think about professionally, you know, it'd have to be when are you when are you perfectly ready to train again? Then you you never miss that piece, right? Um, because we we you know remember we used to go you know five days a week and then four days a week and then three days a week and then squat three times a week or squat twice and then you find out that you know years and years ago bodybuilders were only training body began the bigger guys only began to train body parts once a week and you thought like oh shoot okay well that kills the whole idea like now you know so recovery look you have to rest to progress so I mean you can train all you want. That's not the issue. We found that out in, in, in uh, our U.S. Uh, weightlifting teams back in the you know, 80s and 90s, early 90s, when we found that the Russians, and uh, the time it was the Russians that were dominating the world then, but it was, you know, they're training three, four times a day. So we tried it. And word was back from Colorado Springs that it took about a week and a half, two weeks, and we had nobody left to lift. Like they just couldn't budge. So not that it's not the training that that gets you where you need to do it's this whole idea of training and recovery and many other things but um so the recovery you know is a piece but look i i think i think we're seeing really good science right now and bringing us to good conclusions so i don't buy that crap like oh we're so far ahead in the gym and science only tells you what you need to know like that's crap what i think it is is it brings you closer to conclusion yeah we have an idea like I have an idea what 90% a 90% of a 1RM and a bench how many reps I should get. I have an idea, but but that conclusion isn't really there yet. I mean, we need to get multiple sample sizes of, you know, when you get to that place, what did you do before, what are you doing after, what year you are, how old you are, what gender. All these things are important. Um, and science is helping in that area. So I, you know, I remember early on in my career, I clung to the science. I just got tired of schools telling us, this is what we do here. And nobody was ever looking at a team that finished fifth or last, which is to say that those strength coaches were terrible. And that's not the case at all. So uh, I'm glad I kind of gravitated to the science side. And and, uh, I really like what's happening there. So, I mean, I think we're getting more answers than you think, right? Uh, And that's where I like to go. Or at the very least, we're getting better questions. Yes. Yes, which leads to the next paper, right? And, uh, I mean, you can't assassinate. You can't, like, can't shoot the messenger, right? And I also, you know, I saw a couple things weeks ago, like, oh, these scientists don't know who they are. That's a bunch of crap either. You know, we're seeing CSCSs, ATCs, who, who you know, who are now uh, also PhDs. Right now, they may not be in the weight room every damn day like we are, but they're they know what they're looking at. So to say that their their studies are not contextual is erroneous at best. I mean, I know, and I so do you. Some really good PhDs who are CSCS, CISSN, RDs, they're doing studies that are very valuable. So I mean, I I think I, I think it's ignorant to ignore the research that's out right now at the same time not you know diving totally in on one paper you know go ahead and grab yourself a good amount of information before you come to your conclusion and your hypothesis 
Yeah, well, and isn't that part of the job, right? I mean, Google yeah. Scholar makes it really easy for you to sift through and look at things. Like, it's not like it's hard to be like, oh, well, this study looked at athletes. Well, this yeah. one looked at 12-year-olds, and this one looked at college kids who yeah. had never trained in their life. Like, part of what you're doing is researching, and that means you have to look at what the paper is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I Look, taking a paper, skimming it, and highlighting it, that's that's not really reading the paper. So, yeah. No, no doubt. But listen, Bob, like, you've been leading from the front for your entire career. You've been helping coaches get better. You've been leading by example. You've had this platform that you've wanted for our field to be better. You've built it, and you're running it. So eventually, at some point, Bob needs a break. Yeah. So, so what is Bob's escape? Wow. You know what? This is a funny story because, you know, I've been often, um, I wouldn't say often, but I have had the term, uh, the moniker, you know, workaholic at an on me. But I swear to you, you know, some of my favorite times is reading some research or talking to you on the phone and just, you know, we talk about things other than strength and condition, but when we do, it's a blast, right? And all my friends. And so I, I really find relaxation in that now, you know, I do. Um, but you know, uh, I've, I've been fly fishing since I was probably 13, 14 of which I'll be able to get back to now. I probably dove too much into my career back in the mid, the mid section there of, you know, whatever year in the middle of that 40 year kind of calendar. Um, I love music. Music's my thing, so whenever I can hit to a good concert, I got some friends in the industry that's kind of cool that I can hit up and chat with and go visit. So um, uh, I'm back in L.A., so that's good when it comes to being able to uh, give back into my only, the only, the one of the few vices I've maintained over the years, and that's clothes. So we're now we're in a good place where you can spend some time there. But honestly, I... I, uh, and I like watching movies. I like sitting down and watching movies. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the virtue of not getting my contract renewed was that we said, okay, where do we start cutting the fat? And we started cutting that like, okay, cable, <laughs> done. And we got 300 channels and we watched two. That's out. And I'll tell you, after looking at, you know, Amazon Prime and Netflix and, and CBS Full Access, really, you know, our family spends a lot of time on some of these uh, things that we like to look at together from documentaries to movies, whatever. So that's kind of fun. Um, that's, I wouldn't say those are my escapes. That's my life. You know, that's part of my life. That's what I do. And I got two grandchildren now. We're closer now to my, my daughter and, uh, my wife is now close to her family. Uh, but really, you know, uh, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to let go of a great conversation on making people better. That's rad. It's hard for me to let go of a great conversation. I'm making people better. Now, for the listeners, I don't give suggestions very often. But if you are ever at a symposium or a seminar and, or a social event with Bob Alejo, <laughs> and you can sit there and ask him about any of his rock and roll stories. Oh, goodness. Pull some of, up some of which I can a tell. chair. <laughs> Yeah, I've had some fun. You know, it's almost kind of Walter Mitty-ish, you know. And being in pro sports is pretty cool for lots of th- lots of reasons. But one of them is you have access to some celebrity, and 
you know, some celebrities like you. The Moneyball thing was fantastic. Then I spent some time in New York um, around the Yankees, and that was pretty wild, and a couple of Olympic games and all that. But I'll tell you, um, uh, when, you, when you, you mentioned something about it's hard to – I said it's hard, to, it's hard to stop on a conversation when somebody's asked for help. When Todd Rogers came to me the first time, who I eventually joined him and his partner, Phil Dowhouse, for two Olympic teams – um, they graciously put me on as their coach. So I was able to, if I wanted to get in the parade and wear the jacket, which was pretty cool. But he, he did that to me. And again, that wasn't an epiphany, but I knew that once he said it, I was like, Oh yeah, he came down and he was a Santa, at UC Santa Barbara, all American setter. It's 2005. He came in and said, look, I, I know who you are. I know you've worked with beach volleyball players before. Cause I was with Holly McPeak and Kent Steffes and all, you know, all this other stuff. And I want to know if you could, you know, if you would train me. Right. Um, and I knew he'd had a, a good career on the beach and, um, the beach volleyball is a great, great place to be, but I just got there. There was two of us for all those teams. I said, look, I just got here. I know you're an alum. I mean, you can come in anytime you want. I'd be happy to help you, but I don't, I don't have the time. He goes, well, no, I'll pay you for that. And I said, no, no, it's not about paying. Cause I can't, I can't just write a program and hand it to you. Nobody who's worth a damn is going to be able to just go, yeah, here, just go do that. It takes me time to do that, and I can't do it. But I can help if you come in and work out. He's like, okay, I appreciate that. Thank you. Wasn't but a day or two later, he came back to me, and he said, hey, I know, I know we talked about you working with me. He said, but I really think you can help me get to the Olympics. And I just said, uh, okay, let's do it. I, I couldn't say no to that. Sure enough. He just, he just didn't go to the Olympics. He won the world championships and a gold medal. So, I mean, yeah, I couldn't, I just, I just can't turn, I couldn't do it ever. <laughs> it's hard to say no to something like that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Help helping anybody, which was also the same with the gal. There was a gal there too, that hadn't swam in a two or three years. She had all these injuries and I knew I could fix them. Like you knew you could fix your thing. And like all of our colleagues, you know, I know I can fix that. We're fixers, right? So this gal answered me, I said, you're going to swim. We're going to get you to swim, right? So um, wow, that makes me a little emotional, actually. So she's a, a sprinter. She worked hard, smart girl, came down to it at the end of the year. She was going to swim. She says, I'm, I'm in a race. I'm in the 50 free. I said, okay, I'll be there, right? So it's Santa Barbara. It's not like it's a huge venue, right? So I'm in, I, I went right across her lane, watched her right there. Sure enough, go, she goes, she swims. And, you know, it's a short race, but she's right in the middle of it, right? And uh, she swam a race. You know, our goal was, I'm going to help you swim. You're going to swim. And when she got out, came around the other side of the pool. And uh, she gave me a hug and she said, I didn't finish last. No, you didn't. <laughs> you were great. That's the kind of stuff you live for, dog, for sure. Yeah, man. For well, sure. I'll tell you what, Bob. The number of coaches that you've put back in the pool and have led as a mentor and a leader for what we do is, is countless, man. And all of us owe you a debt of gratitude for all you've done to help us be better. And as always, man, it's great to see your face. It's great to see you doing <laughs> awesome. And it's, it's good great stuff. to chop it up, brother. I, I'm so happy we got to get this down and, and got to rap again, buddy. It's always great. Yeah, it is. It is. And listen, uh, I want to first tell you this for sure. 
all the stuff I've talked about this position was true. I think it's necessary. Do I think we're the only ones that should have this spot? I think we're the most qualified. But we need somebody better in these positions than what's the overwhelming majority in athletics, right? So that they know what we're doing. They know what the athletic trainers are doing, sports psychology, whatever. They need to do that. Um, but that being said, our athletic director, Mike Izzy, is the one that stirs the spot. You know, he, he stirs the pot because without him, it becomes like any number of, number of us who, who end up saying what we want to have happen. It just becomes a suggestion. Now when I say it, it comes from the athletic director's office. So that's where it happens. And if I've, you know, if I've done anything the way that you said I have, which was, you know, I'm very grateful that you said that, then I want those folks that I have helped to sit in this chair too. That's what's going to get us where we need to go. Because there's plenty of smart guys that don't need to be done coaching at 40, 50, or even 60. I hope, you, I hope nobody has to wait till they're 62 like me to get this spot. There's plenty of smart dudes out there that need to be in a seat like this. So let's get that thing going. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Bob, as always, brother, great to see you. Great to catch up, man. And we'll be in touch real soon. All right, brother. See ya. Yeah, man.